Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by TCT. I'm TCT Head of Content, Laura Griffiths, and on this week's episode, Chris Connery, Head of Global Analysis at Context, joins us to discuss the current state of 3D printer shipments, trends, and what 2023 could hold for the additive manufacturing market. Context quarterly AM industry reports provide market intelligence, performance benchmarks, and analysis on the global marketplace. In its most recent report, issued earlier this month, Context detailed how rising prices, divestures and currency fluctuations have complicated the AM industry growth expectations. And on this episode, Chris digs into the figures and what's causing those current industry trends. As you'll hear, Context insights on machine shipments are split across four distinct categories for fully assembled goods. Industrial, meaning machines above $100,000, design, $20,000 to $100,000, professional, $2,500 to $20,000, and personal below 2,500. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive insight, head on over to tstmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the mag and the biggest 3D printing news stories sent to your inbox every week with our additive insight newsletter. You can also join in the conversation on the TCT Additive Manufacturing Network at additivemanufacturing.network. Thank you again for joining us on the Additive Insight podcast today. It's really good to have you here, finally. Finally, finally, <laughs> finally. Right, we had holidays and uh, separated across uh, oceans and uh, finally together. Thanks yeah. so much for having us here. And we'll be in person soon as well at TCT Japan at the end of the month. So very much looking forward to that. Really Coming up there. just a couple of weeks, for goodness yes. sake, right? I'm looking at my calendar. <laughs> uh, thanks again for having Context be part of that. Really looking forward to of course, uh, a yeah. very fine event. My, my first trip back to Asia since the pandemic. So Same here. Okay, so for this podcast today, you know, it's the start of the year. We're looking ahead to the next 12 months. Everyone is kind of making predictions in January, thinking about incoming trends, what we can expect from the industry for the next 12 months, all that kind of stuff. And of course, Context have just come out with their most recent report, looking at industry findings uh, via industry, uh, by 3D printer shipments based on these different printer categories that, that you define in your quarterly report. So I'm excited to have you here this week to talk about uh, the state of the current AM industry and just to kind of dive into some of those findings from that most recent report so i guess just to start with chris can you give us a bit of an overview of what you found in these most recent findings yeah 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 thank thanks thanks uh conley for that and, and and sorry for uh listeners here i'm very much a visual learner so hopefully i can help uh paint some pictures with my words um <laughs> as that's what we try to do as as uh analysts in the analytics world like we we have lots of graphs and charts and hopefully your listeners can kind of follow along um but right to, to that end, we here at Context, we, we uh, analyze and, and forecast and uh, look at the uh, 3D additive manufacturing, 3D printing market every quarter. Um, and as you mentioned, we have just issued our uh, most recent quarterly findings. And if people have followed Context before, you'll uh, remember or recognize that um, we're kind of mostly known for printer shipments, as you mentioned, and that's what was our most recent findings were. And we segment those printer shipments kind of a to, to help people, you know, give an elevator pitch, as they say, um, or a high-level uh, look at the industry by, by cutting them into the 3D printer shipments into categories. We call these categories industrial, design, professional, and at the low end, personal, kit and hobby. 
and we define those loosely by well, uh, the terms, you know, industrial and design are kind of loose terms, but uh, we define them by the price points of the printer. So the industrial marketplace we define as $100,000 and above machines, um, design um, price point machines between $20,000 and $100,000, sorry for the uh, U.S. dollars indication. We normalize everything to the U.S. dollars for all the listeners across the globe. Um, in the professional space, uh, we segment the low end from $2,500 to $20,000, a little bit different than maybe people might have thought about before if they've been around the marketplace for a long time. Personal, $2,500 below. And then kit is not really defined by price, but defined more by a self-assembly product. So industrial, design, professional, personal, kit, and hobby. And the reason I mention that is that in order to kind of help um, people understand and visualize our findings, uh, that's the way we usually talk about the marketplace, right? So if if, if you're, uh, you know, my mother-in-law at our Thanksgiving holiday says, Chris, how's the 3D printing marketplace going? I have to at least start the, that, you know, the conversation. Oh, well, you see, uh, it's easy to people talk about the, the industrial, which, which is what most people wrap their brains around is mm-hmm. the machines uh, hundred thousand dollars and above. They represent the, uh, the largest um, revenue percentage of the um, 3d printers that ship in the industry. And, and to talk about these things uh, you know, we usually speak in terms of unit shipments or, or revenue shipments. Right. Um, and so you asked, you're like, Chris, you're given quite a complicated uh, answer to the question about how, how, how's it going? Uh, because it's a complicated market. But hopefully your listeners know all that from uh, being in the industry, from reading you guys and, and helping segment. So how did things go? Unit volumes weren't up significantly, uh, actually weren't up in many categories in Q3, uh, but revenues were up. And this is kind of a key industry trend uh, that we really helped suss out here in, in Q3. So our findings here are through Q3, Q4 just finished. So we'll be uh, assessing the Q4 and and by association, the full 2022 shipments here uh, by the end of the quarter. But right now I'm talking about everything through uh, Q3 of of last year. Uh And in general, industrial shipments, unit-wise, only up 2%. uh, Professional actually down 5%, personal down 5%, kit and hobby basically flat. The only market that actually saw more printers ship in Q3 2022 than the prior year was the design category and I'll get to that in a minute. Mm. So just, you know, hopefully you're, you're, I know it's a lot to, to uh, process there for, for your listeners here, but um, recognize that unit volume shipments um, weren't up significantly and down in many of the cases uh, in Q3. And that, that's, uh, that was the case. Actually, what it was, what I was giving you, there was indication of uh, the year to date through Q3. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my da- uh, stats here, but they were kind of close between mm. uh, the quarter and the year to date uh, period. So you can think of year to date, uh, January uh, through September of last year um, versus the prior year unit volumes, either flat or down in categories except for design. Now that's different, Laura, than what happened with revenues. Uh, so to, to that point, revenues, excuse me, unit volumes, uh, not up except for in the design space. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but revenues are up. And this is a little bit of a confusion point for people across the industry is that maybe they'll read uh, uh, um, one of the public companies had issued earnings and their revenues are up. Um, and 
it's weird times that we live in across the globe. And part of the weird times that we've seen here in the 3D printing space is we have seen uh, prices, same SKU prices, the same model prices actually rise in many instances. Uh, almost every major manufacturer has had some price increases uh, in, in 2022, which elevated their revenues, mm. right? So that's one trend. So, you know, when people read about these things or their management reads about their things and then they come back to, um, you know, the analytics folks in the, in their, in their company saying, Hey, how come so-and-so said they had a good year, but, uh, uh, unit volume seemed to be down for us. Recognize there's a difference between revenues and units. So one of the big trends that we've seen that we've seen thus far through three quarters here in 2022 is that revenues were up in all categories, mm. up in industrial, up in design, up in professional, up in personal, up in kit and hobby. Um, so revenues in an, in an aggregate, put all those categories together up 13% year on year through the first three quarters, but units flat in that same time period. So hopefully that helps us suss out one of the trends that we've seen here is that global inflation pushed up prices, um, uh, helped companies, which is great, right? It's great to have healthy companies in the industry, um, help them achieve revenue growth. But in terms of industry growth, which is what we at Context really focus on, is yeah. we focus on industry more than individual companies. Mm. Um, in terms of unit volumes, yeah, a little bit, little bit of challenge for the industry through the three quarters. And you mentioned earlier that you're going to focus a little bit on the the design class because I know that out of all of those categories, that is the one that did have the biggest rise in terms of um, unit volumes. I think it was up 29%. Can you talk a little bit about why that category has done well and what might have actually influenced those numbers? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, design category, uh, by the way, we just use these terms as a term. It doesn't um, there, there can be some that are used for industrial use in this design. Design is just the name of the category of products in the twenty thousand dollars to hundred thousand uh, dollars. We thought about changing it. If any, if you or any of your listeners have any uh, great thoughts about, you know, we call it semi-industrial, industrial, whatever. Just recognize that this, it doesn't necessarily speak to the uh, how those products are, are used in that category, but it's really to the price point. So those products in the twenty thousand dollars to hundred thousand uh, dollars category. What we saw there is a wonderful trend uh, in the 3 printing industry. What we saw is that growth in this space was really driven by net new products in the category. And when I say net new, I mean either companies that have come into the new space with a product in this category or uh, companies that have expanded their portfolio, uh, maybe moved from one modality or one certain technology, then added a new technology either by acquisition or uh, or, or self-grown, um, and as a result, uh, shipments in the category rise. Let me give an example, if I can. Um, one of the industry leaders, Stratasys, um, as hopefully your uh, listeners and, and readers recognize, Stratasys has advanced their portfolio, and th they were well-known from um, material extrusion FDM space, where they were founded and then brought an object and uh, polyjet material jetting uh, space, uh, but now they've added other products to their portfolio, including uh, powder bed fusion and uh, various VAT photopolymerization, both DLP and SLA technology. So mm -hmm. by extension, when the industry leaders has moved beyond kind of the core two technologies they had into newer polymer technologies, introduced some products partly as a result of acquisition and some a little bit of homegrown. And as a result, those products sold really well 
and they didn't exist in the marketplace before, the marketplace got excited by them, and we see this time and time again. Whenever market leaders introduce new products in uh, other modalities, uh, we see the market be so thrilled that purchases rise. We see the same thing maybe from upstarts who are, who are well-publicized or uh, good PR or help people get really um, jazzed about the technology. We see that time and time again, uh, which really shows that across the globe, companies are very interested in 3D printing technology. So much so that when the newest technology comes out from a well-known, uh, especially from a well-known uh, company, they're excited to purchase it. We saw that again with the rise of uh, design printer shipments here in 2022, mostly as a result of net new products in the category. Okay. And just touching on something you said there about, you know, people getting excited about 3D printing and, you know, especially when a new product comes from an, an established company or when, when there is this kind of um, you know, just fresh boom of excitement around the technology. Because I, I feel like, in recent years, we did see that again, almost like another another bit of a, a curve on, on, on the hype train um, after 3D printing was used a lot during the start of the pandemic for, you know, these kind of quick turnaround solutions for these um, sort of like healthcare related items, you know, these face, face shield items, sort, sort of those type of things. I remember you were actually on a panel session that I, that I attended, I think it must be back in 2020, yeah, which was with MakerBot and talking about the surge in interest in these desktop printers and, and people just buying up machines because they wanted to be able to help out with applications like this. And at the time, you know, there was a question over whether this new adoption was really going to stick and whether it was going to then, you know, be carried out post-pandemic when people wanted to use the technology for different things. And I'm just wondering, I mean, particularly in, in that design class, which is kind of like a, a, a mid-range class, class of machines, uh, are we seeing any kind of long-term effects of that, of this heightened interest, which we saw um, a, a around the pandemic? Did, has that really stuck around for, you know, for those people that were interested in the technology at the time? Did we see an increase in adoption of the technology through these shipments? You touch on some wonderful, wonderfully interesting trends in the marketplace and very different trends at the low end, the mid uh, range and the high end. Mm. Uh, mostly what we were commenting on, and I think I remember the panel you're talking about in 2020, um, Yes, there was an explosive growth of what we call uh, personal, those below $2,500 and mm. kitten hobby uh, shipments during the pandemic. We call it the pandemic boom. Um, we saw the uh, super accelerated growth of, uh, of kits, especially from Creality. Um, that has uh, growth has maintained that high level, but growth has tailed off significantly. So right. in that space, um, growth has been challenged in the personal and the kitten hobby. So if you're asking, uh, has interest, interest has remained high, which is great. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of the, these companies, you know, benchmark themselves by, you know, how was their growth versus the year ago? So their growth has slowed, right? So we're single digit growth, maybe not even, uh, there might even be slightly fewer in those categories that, right. that ship in 2022 than in, than prior year. But to your, to your other point, we've raised the bar. Mm. Right. So the bar has gone up and stayed high, might go down a little bit. So that that's that's very that's very different than what we saw in industrial 3D printing. So as we as we move up here and, and, and talk in the design and industrial 3D printing in the pandemic, um, 
we didn't have that same sort of boom uh, of shipment growth. There, there are different level of challenges, right? So that was more B2B spending. So it was more, you know, company spending and actually reducing their spending during the pandemic. So there was quite a dip in terms of uh, the shipment of, of um, you know, industrial and design level machines during that time because CapEx spending, capital equipment spending was down uh, for industries across the globe. Now that all went away and that hopefully knock on wood, I'm gonna knock on wood, Hopefully you heard that. Uh, uh, knock on wood is well behind us, although we still have some pandemic challenges, especially in Asia, especially in, in, in China here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to the point that I think you were you were helping us suss out here with our with our words, um, in terms of the design space, yes, what we have seen, and we continually see this, is we continually see a stair step. Mm-hmm. So we see uh, companies. Uh, well-publicized companies or well-established companies introducing new technologies. Yes, time and time again, it helps the industry rise up uh, from where it was before. Okay. Now, these, this great growth, you know, still the hiccups in, in the pandemic, but time and time again, we see it help elevate the industry. Today's episode is sponsored by 3D Systems. Here, Paul Miller, 3D Systems Materials Product Marketing Manager, introduces Duraform PAX, a new novel SLS nylon photopolymer that promises great mechanical properties for prototypes and end-use parts, long-term stability, and unexpected low cost of ownership. Duraform PAX is a new family of products that uh, we developed in partnership with uh, Adams Grill Tech. And what we're really excited about is it's innovation in a space where there hasn't been a ton of types of materials. Duraform PAX is durable, it's tough, um, has really high elongation, and is really flexible. So it opens up a lot of application possibilities. It prints at a very low temperature, which is actually one of its strengths because it's easier on printers and has a really high recycling rate. What we're also really excited about is some of the operational benefits. It is faster to handle. Uh, you can remove it, the part cake, the machine faster after printing, and the breakout of parts. And, and that's where some of the financial benefits help our customers as well. When people hear new and novel, they, they typically jump to, it's got to be expensive. Um, but, but our pricing strategy with Duraform PAX was intended to encourage adoption as a go-to material, particularly for those customers that are looking for prints with unspecified properties. So you, you still get all those great mechanical properties that we, we talked about, but at generally a lower cost. And then it's the operational benefits. It's the ease of printing. It's the operator intervention, the less service. You don't have any sublimation, which is one of the big challenges people experience with PA11s. Our customers have come to us and said they're really excited to be able to offer an SLS material uh, to their customers that that they can ship within 24 hours, which is is truly remarkable. This material is intended for end-use parts. You've got long-term stability and in some cases properties that make it indistinguishable from injection molded parts. Can you talk about that? Today we have two different variants and it's a family that we expect that will we'll grow in the future. We have a, a natural color and a black color. We've tested the color and the mechanical properties out over five years for indoor and outdoor over uh, a year and a half. And the tensile strength, the elongation and color all hold up from 
the look and the aesthetics of the material, particularly when you vapor hone it, you're able to get some translucency that opens up new applications. So anything where you're trying to look at liquids and anything with thin walls, you'll get that really nice translucency. It's, it's been described from our customers as looking like a, a rigid polypropylene. For the black material, uh, instead of the translucency, you get an additional sheen. So some of these sample applications that we've made is we've introduced texture onto the parts and then vapor honed it. By doing that, it really looks like an injection molded plastic. One of the examples I like to talk about is some of our engineers that work on all these different materials in, in our office and showing these uh, vapor honed SLS parts, people are shocked to believe that they're, they come from SLS. To learn more, head over to mytct.co forward slash 3dspod or visit 3dsystems.com. I know that I'm kind of dotting around the different classes here, but there, there are interesting findings from each of these categories. So I do want to touch on the, the industrial class that you mentioned then. I saw a couple of the different types of technologies highlighted in the report with things like um, powder bed fusion and also uh, DED was mentioned as well as these kind of most attractive bits of, of that market and the ones that have done um, the best in terms of machine, uh, machine sales. What do you think is driving that? Because I know we've seen a lot of attention, especially in the powder bed fusion market, things like multi-laser systems, lots of companies launching these 8, 10, 12 uh, laser systems to really up that productivity. What kind of things um, are driving the adoption of, of these industrial class machines at the moment? Industrial is is by far and away uh, the number one market that people uh, pay attention to. As I mentioned earlier, it's, it's the bulk of the system revenues. And within the industrial space, uh, metal 3D printing um, has been hot in 2022 and still continues to be hot. Hot? No pun intended. Um, <laughs> hot. Uh, <laughs> um, similar trends to what I mentioned before, unit volume trends weren't up as significantly as revenue trends. Right. Uh, revenue trends were up even more, even more so. And then touching on the point you just mentioned, um, so while uh, there was some system price increases for same system price uh, increases in the industrial category, especially in powder bed fusion metals, we saw another phenomenon, which is not just a rise in, in ASPs or kind of list pricing, average list pricing by the same product rising in price, but because of the skew mix, right? So there are these new, more expensive, often more expensive uh, because they're more efficient. Um, they're often much larger build volumes, as you mentioned, they're, um, uh, four, eight, 12 laser systems. Yeah. Um, so there might be fewer of those that were sold than the year before, but they carry a much higher SB. It could be $4 million, $5 million mm. uh, price. So there's kind of an interesting, another interesting phenomenon happening in the industrial side of 3D printing in that machine shipment growth that there is a little bit better uh, than we've seen in, in other areas, but the revenue growth is even better. Mm. And not just because of inflationary price increases, but because of this trend to more efficient machines or, or, or you know, multi-laser, uh, higher build volume. Okay. Powder bed fusion by far going gangbusters, still aerospace, anyone building uh, anything on the space side of aerospace across the globe uh, from, from Asia to Europe to US um, still continues to do uh, well, aerospace, and as, as you heard me, heard me mention there, the space side of aerospace, mm. um, uh, still continue to do well, really helping continue to drive that marketplace. Um, and then you also mentioned, thanks for kindly mentioning, that another interesting 
part of metal 3D printing is uh, the directed energy deposition DED space that doesn't really get a whole lot of play. It's kind of a smaller side of, of metal 3D printing, but had a really nice uh, year, especially with the advent of, of lower price um, DED machines. So if your listeners are looking for a category of growth, DED really had really nice growth. And just while we're on metals, I also wanted to ask about um, binder jet technologies too, because I was looking back at some like previous context reports um, and I know that Binajet was highlighted within that. I mean, even here at TCT, we, we in 2021, we had a lot of content. You know, I, I think we had X1 um, on the cover in 2021 saying it was the year of Binajet. And then we saw companies like HP, GE, um, just talking about launching these um, Binajet machines, which have, um, HP at least is now on, entered onto the market. And I just wondered where that technology is up to. Are you still seeing strong interest in Binajet technology as, as that as that transpired and something, did we actually see the, the year of BinderJet in the end? BinderJet, we're still quite bullish uh, on the technology mm-hmm. moving forward. Okay. We'll talk about forecasts here. Um, uh, but to your point, uh, it didn't explode here in 2022. There was still only one uh, player, Desktop Metal acquired mm-hmm. the other big big player. So it was really kind of one key player. Um, at Context, we always say, you know, one company does not an industry make. So we uh, do appreciate for the industry and with the industry when new players come into the space. And finally, we've got HP um, in here now and just now starting to uh, ship in volume. And now GE talking about their solution that we hope to see here in, in 2023. Um, so we still have strong forecasts for uh, metal binder jetting technology um, here. We hope that that will come about as more players uh, come here in, in 2023. Um, we saw some good growth, right? It, it's it's going to be small growth because unit volumes are small compared yeah. to in the metal space com- compared to Petrobet Fusion, which dominates that space. So the growth was still good. I'll see if I can find that number off the top of my head. But um, uh, we still expect it to be even stronger uh, now that HP is fully in it and GE is coming on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, we expect the... the uh, the progress to uh, continue significantly here in 2023. And while a lot of those um, numbers, obviously, that we're seeing from the report, um, do 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 look very positive, you know, we do have to recognise there's been a lot of disruption in the AM space over the last couple of years. Of course, we've had you know the the pandemic to deal with, and then we've seen more recently like mass layoffs, a lot of consolidation, that sort of thing happening. Uh, like, are we seeing more more caution when it comes to people um, purchasing new machines, new technologies? What is can you give us any sense of what, what the, the, the general feeling is out there going into 2023? Is, is it optimistic? Are, are people been a bit more careful in the technologies they invest in? A cautious would be, and, and you framed it very well. Um, and and we know there might be uh, listeners here who are starting to look at the 3D printing additive manufacturing space for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we don't want them to be too bogged down. That's part of the challenges that we have here at Context is that we, because we do follow the market quite closely in every quarter, um, we can get, kind of get bogged down in, in quarterly Stats. And we're a little bit challenged as an industry here heading into 2023. Layoffs, as you mentioned, uh, challenges with uh, companies' own supply chains, right? Mm-hmm. So as 3D printing looks to help um, other industries with their supply chains and onshoring and things like that, uh, the 3D printing industry is not immune to their own challenges. Yes. And we've seen some delivery issues and challenges for them in 2022 and headed into 2023. And then on top of that, um, yes, there are global recessionary questions. Um, are we in a recession? Who's in a recession? Are we headed mm-hmm. towards a recession? 
uh, everyone can debate these questions, but uh, when the rubber hits the road and the CFO has to sign, sign off on purchasing a new machine, many of them are not doing that right now. They're, they're, they're holding off on some of those purchases. So we are seeing uh, reduced forecasts heading into 2023. And as a result, context, we, we lowered our forecast here for the year. We're still bullish and, and expect growth more so in the second half uh, than in the first half, as we have lots of challenges here um, in the first half. We do anticipate that some of the same trends that we saw in 2022 will continue in 2023, that being machine shipment, user unit volume growth won't be strong, single digits maybe, uh, but revenue growth will be strong. We still anticipate you know, year-on-year -year price increases might be up, but then there's the separate trend of you know, more efficient 12 laser, larger powder bed fusion machines, which will help raise the uh, price uh, of the industry in that regard, list price in the industry and, and hence uh, revenues. So we do anticipate, um, uh, what are we thinking here? 19% uh, revenue growth, I think is what we're uh, forecasting here for the year um, and just below a 10%, so a 9% unit volume growth is what we're anticipating, which is quite reduced. Uh, from expectations. If you want to talk to us this year and helping to 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 parrot the um, uh, the industry from from a year ago, and that's part of where our near term forecasts come from, are the aggregate forecasts from the companies that we track. Right? If they feel good, we feel good. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're not feeling as great heading into 2023 as they okay. were a year ago. That's for sure. Well, I do want to touch on some um, some good news from the recent report and, and just kind of zoom in on, on a few um, global uh, marketplaces. So China was one that was highlighted as one that appears to be really bouncing back after a bit of a, a turbulent period. Of course, we've, we've had um, more lockdowns happen over the last year, but um, one company that, that really gets spotlighted here is, is Union Tech, which drove um, an awful lot of growth in that market. So I think it was 35% of the world's industrial 3D printers were, were actually shipped um, in China. Can you just give us any sort of more insight in, into that and, and what's happened there? And, and um, is, do you think this is going to is this going to continue now? Um, you know, have we seen a bit more of a positive outlook for this market? Because China's obviously always been a, a huge market for additive manufacturing. There are so many um, companies that are selling multiple uh, machines into into end users. What what's the general overview there? Yeah, the growth in China has been has been great. Um, in the past couple of years, especially in in metals, uh, the company that you mentioned, Union Tech, is is a polymer based uh, company and has uh, that, uh, the reason that I mentioned this is that uh, what we find for three D printing, unlike other industries that we track here at Context, is that three D printing is especially at the higher end, the industrial side, very provincial. And what I mean by that is Chinese companies tend to ship domestically into China. Mm. Western companies, there's um, uh, decent trade between the U.S. and Europe and between those companies, but not a whole lot of east-west trade, if you will. Part of that's geopolitical. Part of it's uh, the price points and logistics of moving these big machines. Uh, but in terms of your listeners, maybe they're, they, they operate uh, in Germany or, or maybe they're in China. And if you're in China, then maybe you just know Chinese manufacturers. If you're in Germany, maybe you just know Western manufacturers. Mm. So Union Tech might not be... Um, uh, top of mind for many people in the West. They're, they're the number one company in terms of uh, industrial polymer 3D printer shipments um, uh, in the region and, and had a little bit of up and downs, as, as you mentioned. Um, they might be a little bit off people's radars too, as they're at the very low end of the industrial side of 3D printing. Um, they have products that are just right on the cusp of that $100,000 
uh, break off that we use. Um, so some people might even have them kind of mentally compartmentalized in, in a lower category. It doesn't really matter how you compartmentalize them. Uh, the long and short of it is they're one of the leaders in polymer uh, 3D printing, um, mostly operate, mostly sell domestically uh, into China, but they help to point out exactly what you said right there. There's kind of different regional growth, um, which plays into the global growth. Some people care about it. Some people, oh, I want my region to do better than this other region. Mm. Some people say, oh, that doesn't, you know, impact me because I can't sell into that region because it's such and such, whatever. Um, our goal at Context is they give you all the information, right? So to your point, talk about the global trends and then individualize those to your specific regions. Um, in terms of China, let's talk about China growth. Um, great growth, as I mentioned, in uh, metal powder bed fusion in particular in 2022. Back to the polymer side, we have different challenges. And, and as your listeners and readers know, um, with the different zero COVID policy, which is now going away there in China, with different challenges associated with it, um, there were some real strong challenges in 2022. So Union Tech, Shanghai-based, Shanghai lockdown in Q2 as a result, uh, their shipment uh, trend went down significantly um, in Q2 of last year, similar to what the West saw in Q2 and Q3 of our pandemic shutdowns mm-hmm. um, in 2020. Uh, Union Tech bounced back once those went away uh, in Q3, and we really saw that big big spike that actually helped drive a lot of the growth um, here in Q3 in, in the industry, which is kind of a separate micro trend within the macro trend, the macro trend of growth of, growth of China and the micro trend being ooh, challenges with the um, uh, zero COVID uh, mm-hmm. uh, shutdowns. And now we have these new challenges that the world doesn't know what to make of, right? Even domestically in China, and um, as they're getting ready to celebrate their Lunar New Year here, um, travel is travel going to cause a, a spike in infection and how's that going to impact workers and how's it going to impact supply chains for people mm-hmm. in the West who rely on as well as domestic demand. So lots of interesting things. Separate from the COVID challenges, uh, the demand for especially industrial metal powder bed fusion uh, products in China has been fantastic. Been great in both the West and in China that again of metal powder bed fusion, but even better in uh, China in the recent year. And while I have you here, I feel like I can't not ask about Japan because as I mentioned at the start, we're heading there in just a, a couple of weeks time. And Japan was highlighted in, I think it was maybe the, the second class context report that, that I read as, um, you know, a, a, a region that's having a lot of interest put on in it because of the whole, you know, Nikon acquiring SLM solutions, which was probably like the biggest news story from last year in additive manufacturing. But also companies like Geol and DMG Mori all, all, you know, launching their own additive manufacturing systems. Is Japan a market to watch going into 2023, do you think? Laura, you've you just given all the highlights right there. I don't have anything else to say right there. No, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Reading everything, preparing ahead of time. What are you doing? No, uh, Japan is a very interesting space. When, um, you know, as I mentioned, context, we, tra- we, we, we track lots of different um, areas of interest related to technology. We've been around a long period of time, 30, 36 years, I think, context has been doing this. Um, anyways, uh, the way that we segment the marketplace, a lot of people just talk, kind of talk about U.S., Europe, and Asia Pacific. That's not the way we look at it. We we segment those markets. So Asia, we break down into Japan. We've always looked at it as a separate market. Japan, China, Asia Pacific as three different uh, markets for us. Uh, Japan's always been at the 
lower end um, in terms of market adoption, in terms mm-hmm. of players in the space. It's always been a little bit of a head scratcher for us um, in that when we started following the market, as I said, 10, 12 years ago, we expected Japan to have been uh, a bigger player just because they are always a big player in, in, in technology and in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we're starting to see that change. Um, to your point, right? Great interest in, I say Nikon, uh, with my American, my Chicago American <laughs> accent, Nikon. Um, uh, DMG Mori, others now uh, being more visible in the marketplace, but not just being vis- visible, but um, you can still see, you can now really see the uh, the recognition uh, by Japan that uh, added manufacturing is um, a key technology that. Um, can help the region um, with its own manufacturing as well as uh, companies in this space. Uh, we expect a lot um, out of Japan um, in the period to come. It really is important to understand, and we'll uh, suss this out a little bit more. That's my that's my key my key uh, go to right now is suss. I'm gonna gonna take that out of the vocabulary here. How about that, Laura? Uh, uh, to suss out here, it uh, TCT Japan is showing. Uh, where Japan fits um, in the world in terms of the single digits um, uh, shipments in there. And what's important for your listeners to understand is that um, if they're reading something and they read about 3D printing in Asia Pacific, a lot of times most of Asia Pacific has been China uh, before. So you really got to separate out now um, China from Japan, from uh, other parts of Asia Pacific uh, in your thinking. Uh, especially now that Japan uh, and Japanese companies are really, really moving forward with the technology here. And I know I've only got you for a couple more uh, minutes, Chris, and I feel, feel like I've dotted everywhere from this most recent report. No, so thank you, you so much have. for providing uh, such great uh, insight onto all of these points. Just to finish, is there anything else you think that we should be uh, really looking at in 2023? Is there anything that you're particularly interested in uh, in seeing more of throughout the rest of the year? Um, what's What's kind of your key takeaway? When people come to us and they ask us, you know, how's the 3D printing industry going, right? We all get this. We all have families. We go home to families, holidays, ask the question. Uh, <laughs> as I said, from my mother-in-law, I got to compartmentalize all these different areas. Uh, it, the growth for 3D printing industry continues to be strong. Uh, we're still bullish, remain bullish, uh, on, especially on technologies that can help uh, the additive manufacturing space. Uh, get more and more entrenched into general manufacturing. Um, we do kind of see some key technologies in, in metals. We, we definitely see powder bed fusion continuing to do well. Uh, we expect binder jetting to uh, be a stronger and stronger player in that space. Both of those core technologies uh, we see as two of the key metal 3D printing technologies um, moving more into mainstream manufacturing. On the polymer side, we definitely see powder bed fusion uh, continuing to move on uh, and be one of the core technologies to help additive move more into mainstream manufacturing. Likewise, we also see various VAT photopolymerization uh, technologies as key Mm -hmm. technologies. So those kind of four technologies are ones that we're really bullish with and for the industry on um, as kind of key technologies to really help the industry continue to take its next steps. We, We see nice growth and we anticipate nice growth uh, in terms of the verticals that exist, that 3D printing exists in automotive, healthcare, aerospace, education, all the ones that you hear about, dental, you know, we, we see nice growth there. But in order for the 3D printing industry to really, really, really grow and be what we all uh, know that it can be, is that we do firmly believe um, that 
it really has to continue to take these these next steps into mainstream manufacturing mm. and really see some core technologies to help the industry get there. Uh, we see some challenges here, especially at the beginning of 2023, uh, but definitely see the industry on a uh, good, solid path to help it get to uh, very strong uh, growth rates here in the next uh, five years. Mm -hmm.